Good evening, Heart of the City Church. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, it is just such an honor and a privilege to be here. I've looked up to your pastors for a long time. I'm in MFI with them, and so I see them speaking or sharing or prophesying or burning for Jesus at conferences. And so I knew I had the opportunity to be with you guys, truly. I'm not just saying it. I know probably a lot of people get up and say it, but I told our staff, I was like, you guys, I'm so excited and I'm so freaked out because I'm going to Heart of the City Church. And <clears throat> honestly, just love who you guys are from the, the little bit I've seen and gotten to interact with you. Just love your church. And man, I don't even want to, you don't even need me to preach after that worship. That was so beautiful. So honestly, thank you so much once again. So blessed and privileged to be here. I'm a pastor from Medford, Oregon. I'm pastor of discipleship and so just love the word of God and what he's doing and honored to be here. I've been a youth pastor for a long time. I'm still over our youth and so excited for camp this week with your young people. I'm ready. The wilder and the crazier. This is like adult church over the weekend, but then we'll get really wild at camp. No, we'll get wild here. You guys are already pretty wild in adult church and so... If it's okay tonight, I think service, I don't know what your normal services look like. They seem pretty fun and wild and prophetic to me, but uh, I just really feel a stirring in my heart just for some different stuff, if that's okay. And we'll see kind of what happens and try to get you out on time and not too late. Um, just a few things. You know, sometimes I get up and preach wild and crazy and loud, but I just was really praying for you and fasting for your church and just wanted to seek a, a word from God for you. I just want to share a few things from my heart. Um, I, I might have a lot of notes. I'm known to have a lot of notes. And so I don't know if we're going to get to a lot of them or if it's just going to be a little bit more prophetic and from my heart. But um, I just want to start with a couple of things. I try to write them down because I wanted to pray and try to hear from the Lord for your church when he's speaking over you. And I didn't want to get anything when I showed up. I don't want to hear things or stories. But um, I just want to start, if that's okay, a little bit of prophetic stuff. That's fine. Don't want to go off the page and do something, your pastor. I just want to start with this, and then Pastor Joe, if it's okay, I just felt a word even for you and your church. As I was praying for you, I don't even have language for it yet. I was just praying all last week and trying to get language for what I felt from the Lord. I feel the absolute pleasure of God and commendation from heaven over your church. And as I just prayed from a distance, I didn't know what, what to expect. I didn't know exactly what your church would feel like, but I just want to honor you. <clears throat> I don't know what you're doing, and I speak directly to you, pastors. I don't know what is going on in the secret place and your meetings and your planning, but I just feel the Lord speaking. He is so pleased over you. And I'm going to give a word tonight out of that, that it's kind of a uh, heavy passage of scripture, but there is nothing in my heart or my spirit more than just commendation over you. And I just feel like in this season, even the word I'm going to share, I believe even over your church, I don't know what you're planning. I don't know what's in your heart, but I just believe there's a season of the favor and the blessing and the grace of God over your church in a unique way. I just felt for you, Pastor, if it's okay for me to share this, I just felt the Lord speak that this church was not planted in safety. It was planted with wild, radical risk. I don't know anything about your church. I don't know anything about how you planted it, but I just, I just, I saw this picture. It might come across a little bit interesting. I saw you, Pastor, like that picture when Peter steps out on the water, and I saw you standing on the water looking at Jesus. I just felt the Lord speak over you that you've lived a life, and this has been a church that's been known with big, bold, radical, risk-taking faith. This church has not been known. It wasn't planted safe. It wasn't planted even with kind of normal things that people thought would be the way. And I see the Lord Jesus just inviting you even in this next season. I don't know what you're praying about. I don't know what the next steps are. I don't know what lies before you specifically, even in front of your church. But I saw a smile on the face of Jesus. And I just saw him beckoning you to come. And I just really sensed in my spirit for your church. And I just sensed for you that in this next season, there are wild, radical adventures for you as a pastor, but even for this church. And I just really believe even as a church, what God has for you, I don't, it's hard for me to express what I feel and what I'm sensing on the inside. 
But what I see for you is the favor of God coming on this church. It's already here. It's, it's undeniable to see it. But I just really believe growth and expansion and the favor of God. But I just felt this word that Jesus is inviting you. And I saw this smile, him beckoning you to come, that there are new adventures. Don't worry. Don't be afraid of the future. That the one who's been faithful to you in the past, the one who's never let you fail, the one who has never let you sink, will not let you fail. Not He will hold you and he will sustain you. And the future of this church, though it's been bright, is even brighter than what you've experienced. I just believe the Lord is speaking. If you will try it again, if you'll step out in faith again, Again, maybe there's more to lose today than there was years ago when you planted this church. But if you will step out in faith and step out on the water, the Lord will not let you sink again. So, Heart of the City Church, I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for this church, and I just feel your pleasure, God. As I prayed for you, I just saw in Matthew chapter 3 when it says the Father looked down at Jesus and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I see the Father looking at your church with delight. Again, I don't know what this last season has been, but I feel like there's something going on and God is so pleased and the heart of God has been moved and he is delighted in you and there is more. The favor of God is coming to this church in an increased measure. I believe in the next season that there's just going to be an increase, not just in, in numbers or in size, but in influence and what God has. That there are even dreams stirring in the hearts of the pastors. I believe there's even just initiatives and things that are going to take faith that are stirring in the leadership team. And I believe the Lord's saying, if you will risk for my glory, if you will take a step of faith, if you will not go in fear, but if you will honor me with your faith, I will not disappoint you. I even just believe as the Lord Jesus spoke so many times, he said, be it, be it done to you according to your faith. I just believe out of the city church, there is no limit to what God will do in this place. There is no limit. Pastors and leaders, every leader and elder in this house, I just speak to you. There's no limit to what God will do if you will have faith. That the Lord is ready. His hand is upon you. His favor is upon you. His blessing. You will not lack resources. You will not lack open doors. Everything you need and everything you believe for, the Father will provide it if you will stand in faith. So don't stay in the safety of the boat. Don't stay where it's comfortable. Don't stay where it's easy, but take a step of faith and the Father will sustain you. You will see his mighty hand. You will see signs and wonders and miracles. And I just believe for this church, the miracles you've seen are nothing compared to the miracles you will see. And I just believe the miracles, I don't even know your story, but I feel like there's a lot of miraculous stuff that's got you where you're at from where you started. I just believe the Lord's saying, look back at those and get excited because that's just the warm up. That's just the beginning of the miracles that stand in front of you. So, Father, I bless this house. I bless every person in this church, God, from the senior pastors to the elders, the leadership team, to every member and attender of this church. I just bless them, God. I thank you for who they are and all that you have before them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If it was off and it was heresy, then tell me later at sushi. If you have your Bible with you, could you open up to Revelation chapter 2 with me? You mind hanging out with me a little bit? I don't think I'm going to preach too long. I just feel like we're going to do some other stuff, if that's okay. I like preaching, but... Again, I just want you to hear this in the spirit of... Half of this verse is negative and the other half is positive. And it was really weird when I felt this because... Before I felt the verse, I felt a prophetic sense of what God felt about you. And then I got this, I sensed this verse, like, God, that's kind of a negative verse. So I want you to hear it in that context. I'm not going to read the whole thing. The context of Revelation chapter 2 is the Lord commending a church for their faithfulness. It's the Lord commending a church. That is awesome. I've never preached with something like that. And I can go off this little iPad and look at the big old screen. 
Glory to God for that. Awesome. The Lord is commending this church for everything they did. But then he said this. I'll start from here. He says, I know your works. I know your toil and your patient endurance, how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. The Lord Jesus commending this church. How wonderful, right? How amazing. Like for our church, I'm a pastor at our campus, Joy Church in Medford. I would love to hear what Jesus thinks about us directly, right? Maybe in heaven we'll get to hear that. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But then here's what the Lord spoke to this church, the church at Ephesus. He said, I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. You've abandoned your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works that you have done. Let me say that again. Three things. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works that you have did at first. I really believe for you, Heart of the City Church, God's favor is already here. God's blessing, God's anointing, an open heaven. The open doors are already here, but I just feel the Lord calling you back or just calling you more into it. I was in this worship service and I think it's already started here. I think I'm just coming to maybe encourage something that has already begun here. I believe the Lord is just calling us to a simple faith, a simple place of living from our first love in Jesus. If I could just call us to something If I could call us to one thing tonight, it's that you and I would lay down our titles. We would lay down our accolades. We would lay down our dreams and our ambitions and our desires, all those things. You know, I often think that everything that matters so much to us on earth doesn't really matter very much in heaven. And if I could call us to something is that we would lay all those things down and just ask us this this question, God, am I living my everyday, ordinary life? Yes, moments like this, amazing moments in the presence of God, moments of prayer, all these kind of things. But what about waking up Monday morning and going to work? What about taking care of your children or living in your marriage or whatever that looks like, paying your bills? That everything that we are and everything that we do would be from this place of first love. That you and I would live, you know, I think it was John Wesley called it the people of the burning heart. That you and I would not be found cold or apathetic or lukewarm. That it wouldn't be said about us that, like Jesus prophesied, that in the last days the love of many would grow cold. But when people look at us, they would say, those people have burning hearts. That everything that they do, all their singing, all their loving, all their serving, all their working, all their giving, all their ministering, all their sacrificing, yes, all those amazing things on the outside are great, but everything flows from this place of first love. And I really believe, even tonight, that there's an anointing that God wants to come and just relight that fire on the inside of us. Maybe for some of us, you've never experienced that. I grew up in church, but I had to get radically saved as a teenager to know what that was like to burn for God with first love. I'm believing that for a lot of teenagers this week. So maybe you've never experienced it, and tonight's your night, but I think for many of us, we have experienced it, but life happens. Discouragement happens, weariness happens, sin happens, whatever that looks like. And I think that the devil works 24-7 overtime, no days off, no paid vacation on getting us to lose our first love. I love this quote. It's something I think about a lot. When all is said and done, the supreme need of the church is what? Men and men and women on fire for Christ. That's the need. And I think a lot of us, maybe you come to church and feel like, God, what do I have to give? What do I have to offer? Maybe you don't feel like you got all these gifts and these abilities and you don't sing like one of the third cherubim angels from heaven like Pastor Seth up here. <laughs> He's hitting notes. I'm like, I don't even think angels can get out there. That's beautiful. <laughs> Love it. 
You know, I think Jesus needs a burning heart, a heart that burns for love with him. You know, I believe that our one, number one responsibility as disciples of Jesus is to keep our hearts pure and on fire for him. I want to ask you this question tonight. Is your Christian life, your relationship with God, your Christianity, is it a duty that you endure? Is it something that you just do? I'm a pretty regimented, disciplined kind of, kind of guy. I could preach a whole different message about that. But I want to ask you this honestly from your heart. Is your Christian life a duty to be endured? Or is it a delight to be enjoyed? I just want to ask you right now where you're at in this moment, in this season of your life, if you honestly check your heart, do you say, God, is, is my relationship with you, is my relationship with you, Jesus, my time in the word, my time in prayer, my living, my loving, my serving, time in the presence of God, is this the greatest delight deep down in my soul? Amen. Is this something I'm enjoying or is this just something that I'm enduring? You know, I really believe that love for Jesus is the heart. It's the secret of discipleship to Jesus. You know, I think for many of us, at least for myself, I think like maybe I used to think this way more like Christian faith is like gritting your teeth and just doing the right thing because you had to and you didn't want to go to hell. It was like, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to be good and I'm just going to get it right. And I kind of thought that whole like burning for Jesus stuff that like maybe you're like, I'm an introvert or you're a more quiet person. And maybe you think like that stuff, they're like burning for Jesus. It looks different to all of us, but that's like an addition if you want it. It's kind of like supersizing your fries. It's wonderful, but you don't got to have it. You don't got to do it. But really briefly, I don't want to preach long because I want us to pray tonight. But I want you to see tonight that true love for Jesus, this first love isn't just an addition. It's not just something that if we get there, then that's it. It's the heart of being a Christian. It's the heart of being his disciple. Now, I could give you a lot of verses, but true Christians love Jesus. I love adjectives with real, genuine, passionate, deep affection. Let me drop a bomb on you from the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. And then he says, our Lord, come. Maranatha. He's saying, if you don't want that, if your heart doesn't burn with love for Jesus, there's not a zeal, a fire, and a passion. He actually says, you're not a Christian. <clears throat> That's a really scary thing, but it's right there in your Bible. Go find it. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. If our Christian life isn't lived out of the overflow of love for him, what is it? What are we doing? I'm a pastor. That means I do a lot of church, don't we? <laughs> if it's not real and it's not done out of delight, there's a lot of other things we could be doing. There's a lot of other. I'm excited to see a full church on a Saturday night. You have like one of the most beautiful cities ever. There's a lot of things you could be doing on a beautiful sunny summer night. You're here. You're loving on Jesus. You're pouring your praise on him. You're doing this. Uh, there are more verses. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37, if you love father or mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. He goes all and on and all on this list. In John 8, 42, he says, if God were your father, you would love me for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me over and over and over. You know the great commandment, the Lord Jesus said, what does it mean to be a Christian? Love God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So number one, there's one thing you get true love for Jesus is, or true discipleship to him. What's the heart? What's the secret? Love him. Why? Because number two, everything we do for Jesus 
just comes out of this love for Jesus. Everything we do for Jesus flows from our love for Jesus. Again, John 14, 15 says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, honestly, I love being a Christian. And I don't find being a Christian very hard if you love Jesus. I remember talking to this one guy. Sorry, I don't mean to be like, I hope it's not like a negative story. I was like, Pastor Johnny, I want to plant a church. I want to be a preacher. I want to make a difference in the kingdom. But I knew this guy. I'm like, you like prayer? He's like, not really. I'm like, you like reading the word? Well, not really. You know, you, like I went through all this list. I'm like, dude, you're going to hate heaven. It's going to suck for you, man. I'm like, you're going to be miserable. I'm like, you see lights and stages and ministry and all this stuff. I go, you missed it. I go, being a Christian and, and doing ministry is just loving him and then doing whatever the heck he asks you to do. You know, at our church, we call it, we call it the great white throne ministry. Jeremiah knows what that is. Great white throne ministry is scrubbing those toilets that all of you guys like using at church. And you know what? Honestly, being up here speaking is a great honor and privilege, but I don't find it any more maybe holy than just scrubbing those toilets. And I, and I scrub those things at our church, and I say, Jesus, this is for you. And whoever sits on this thing, I hope they feel your presence. <laughs> now, they're different ministries. But what did Jesus say? He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And every time I find Christianity hard, I usually find my love for him has grown cold. Because I usually find when I just love him, and when I delight in him, nothing that he asks me is that hard. Right? And I would just ask tonight, many times, when I find, why, why is it rubbed me so hard to forgive somebody else? And I realize I've stopped thanking him for being forgiven, and now I don't want to forgive someone else. When I find myself getting entitled, thinking, why am I here early again, and they're not here, and that, and I go, Johnny, you forgot what it meant to live in first love. You know, I remember when I got, honestly, radically saved as a, a teenager. I'd grown up in church my whole life, but I think you, you miss everything. You're blinded to the gospel. I remember I opened up my Bible, started reading it, I think for the first time in my life, and I opened up Matthew 6, and it said, when you pray, go in the secret place, and I don't, or go into your room. I, I'm not exaggerating. This sounds like a fake story. It's not. I can tell you where my room was. I just walked up the stairs. I shut the door, and I kept reading, and it said, well, it said shut the door, so I shut the door. <laughs> Honestly, I promise. And it said, pray to your Father who's in secret. And I remember, those are the most, the sweetest moments of my life, being a baby, brand new Christian. I remember just being in that place and be like, God, are you really here? Because this doesn't feel like church. There's not music and lights and flags. And I remember, honestly, I thought it was normal. I fell in love with the secret place. And I remember I would spend hour after hour after hour. One hour would pass, two hours would pass, three hours would pass. And I just thought every Christian did that. I thought that was what it meant to be a Christian. I thought everybody read this same book and lived that out, right? I remember, I didn't know that I blasted my music so loud that my whole family could hear it like all morning and all night. And I don't tell that story to draw attention. I just say this. Hour after hour in the presence of God, loving his voice, loving his presence. I remember my friends would invite me out to hang out and I'm like, I got plans. Like with who? I'm like, none of your business. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. There was probably years where it was every morning and every evening, hour after hour after hour, just falling in love with his presence and falling in love with him and falling in love with his word. And honestly, all the other stuff just comes real natural when you love him. And if I could just call us to anything, I just want to ask you, do you delight in his presence? I remember those times that doing something and just saying, I just got to get home. 
I got to get in his presence because there wasn't anything like it. You know, I don't even think I had good, honest motives. My motives were, I feel so happy in his presence. I feel so satisfied. Nobody, I don't, I don't feel that anywhere else but with him. And all the doing, all the dreams, all the desires, all the stuff that would come out in any of our lives, it just comes from that place of loving him. You know, this is what Jesus told Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord. And that could be a whole other message in itself. Yes, Lord, I love you. He says, go feed my lambs. Second time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Go tend my sheep. And the third time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Go take care of my flock. And what did Jesus reveal? If you love me, all that other stuff comes. And I would just encourage you tonight, if all the other stuff, the doing and the working and the ministry, if all that is difficult, there's not delight, if you would go back to that place of first love, that stuff would get a lot easier. And all of a sudden, you, you, you forget. You don't care if anybody sees it. You don't care if anybody notices. You're not doing the, like, you're cleaning the church and seeing who's watching you, you know? Like, I bet it looks spiritual because pastor's walking by. All of a sudden, you just stop caring about any of that. And you say, God, it's for you. Jesus, I love you. I remember being lost and broken and addicted, going to hell. And you saved me. So anything else you ask, it's not hard, God. It's easy. God, I'll do it. I think about David Livingston. If you know that as a missionary to Africa, he lived a difficult life in suffering and pain. And at the end of his life, he went through all the suffering and he said this, I never made a sacrifice for him. And you go, how could you say that? How could you say that when your family dies and you suffer and you starve and you're beaten and you're thrown out of villages? He says, what I've gained from knowing him is infinitely more than anything I ever gave. I'm not that old yet, but I used to hear Christians who had a little more time in Christ older than me say it just keeps getting better and it gets sweeter. I didn't understand that, but little by little I do. It's like when we were singing tonight, we've just started knowing him. We've just started loving him. I think about those angels that every time they come around, they just get surprised and see something new about his holiness or something new about his… And it's not because they're stupid goldfish that forget every time they circle the castle. <laughs> if I could just encourage you, it just gets better the longer you know him. And I want to get to the end of my life and, and know, Jesus, I didn't sacrifice anything. Because honestly, even here and now on this earth, what we gain from knowing you is better than anything that we gave up. Why? Because this Jesus, what, is worthy of our most radical love. So not only do, this, do we do this because it satisfies us, not only do we do this because it's what it means to be a disciple, but Jesus is worthy. What do he say? If you love someone, or someone else or anything else more than me, you're demonstrating that you are not worthy of me. I want you to read this from John Piper. He said this, Jesus demands that he be loved by the world because he is infinitely worthy to be loved. And since our love for him is the enjoyment of his glory and presence and care, therefore, Jesus' demand that we love him is one more way that his love overflows in us. Let me break that down. What does that mean? If he's the most infinitely worthy thing in heaven or on earth, there's nothing else that would be right for us to love. And this is the crazy thing. You ever talk to people on the street that go, isn't God like have a big ego? Isn't God selfish to demand that you Christians worship him? But if he really is God, if he's the only thing that can satisfy us, the only one that can fulfill us, who else would we worship? Right? Because everything else leaves us empty. And this is the crazy thing. As we do this, when we love him and live for him, 
as he gets the glory, we get satisfied in him. And once again, we live from that place of first love. We read this tonight or we sang it. One of my favorite quotes is from the Moravians as they sailed off to give their lives as missionaries. They said, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. I'm to get ready to close. I just want to give a couple examples. What do we do with this? What do we do with all this info? Heart, if I could call you to one thing tonight, and we're going to respond in a moment, is that you and I would devote our lives first and foremost before anything else to ministering to Jesus. To before we, I love ministry to the world. I'm an evangelism guy and a missions guy, but before all that stuff, we start by ministering to Jesus. You know, I heard this paradigm that changed my life because I'm like a go, go, go workaholic kind of guy. I just love doing it. I'm a purebred Martha instead of a Mary, honestly. <clears throat> remember hearing a pastor say this. There are two kinds of people in the kingdom of God. There are lovers and there are workers. The secret is that lovers always get more done than workers. What does he mean? There are some of us in this room and I was a natural purebred worker. God, I'm going to do a lot for you. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to change the world from my work. And you can do that. Or you can say, Jesus, I love you so much. And you can be like Mary who what? Instead of just being caught up in all the busyness and all the stuff, she just sat at his feet. And what did Jesus say to her, a lover? He said to her sister, Martha, Martha, you're anxious. You're troubled about so many things, but your sister has chosen the one thing that was necessary. And that thing will not be taken away from her. I think about that. It's probably the same Mary in Mark chapter 14. It says she took that beautiful alabaster jar and she breaks it over the Lord Jesus. And I want this phrase to get into you. As everybody else is criticizing her, as everybody else is counting how much it costs, he said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. Lovers get something. They say, God, it's for you first and then it's for them. God, it's first for you. I love you. I live for you. I honor you. I worship you. I burn for you. And everything else that happens, if they see it, that's fine. If they never see it, I'm satisfied. And I want to call us to that place of saying, God, before I'm a worker, I'm a lover. And I love working and I love getting other people working. But what if we said, God, first, I'm going to do something beautiful to you. I think about a crazy promise that Jesus made that lady. He said, what she has done will be told in all the world about her. He says, wherever this gospel goes, I was praying about this this week, and I felt the Lord speak this to me. He said, Johnny, what's done for man is remembered for a lifetime, but what's done for me is remembered for eternity. Wow. I remember the first time this hit me, I was preaching in this village in the middle of nowhere, Cambodia. I remember they, they asked me to speak on this story. So I was preaching on it. Hope this isn't too weird of a story. Probably not. And more people in the church started manifesting demons at the same time than not manifesting demons. So all there was was shrieking and screaming and people falling out. And I was preaching this story and it was the first time it hit me. I was like, God, I'm in a village in the middle of nowhere, Cambodia, and I'm just telling the story of Mary and the kingdom of God is coming in power. And I was thinking, there are a whole lot of rich, famous people who've come and they've gone and they've lived and they've died and nobody knows who they are. But this lady who just gave everything she had to you, she's still remembered right here and right now. I've been in Africa, Middle of Nowhere, preached this story. India preached this story. Central America, South America, wherever. And saying, how crazy is it that some lady in the middle of nowhere who just decided to bless Jesus first without thinking about it, she's the one that we remember. And all the others that lived for themselves are forgotten. Here's where we end. You ready? Just ask you this question. Is your Christian life a 
duty to be endured? Or is it a delight to be enjoyed? Are you living from your first love? And I'm the first one to say, I never want to lose a first love for Jesus. You know, I oversee our prayer ministry at our church, and so we're always in the prayer room and doing all kinds of stuff. Now I tell God all the time, Lord, if you asked me, if you asked me to never, ever, ever do something that another human being saw again, but I had the privilege to get in the secret place and honor you, God, I'd do it with joy. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm the only super prideful, selfish person in this place. Probably I am. But honestly, from your heart, if you said, you know what? The call of God on my life is to go in the secret place and no one would ever see me. No one would ever know what I did. If I gave my whole life that, if I gave my whole life to you to make this church a success and you serve, nobody ever knew your name. Would that be enough? Would that satisfy you? Because you say, God, I moved your heart. God, I blessed you. God, I ministered to you. I just want to invite you tonight. You know, I think about a beautiful Old Testament example. We as humans want to build big, beautiful altars. But what did God ask his people? He said, build me a simple altar of uncut stone. Because I want everyone to know that when the glory comes down, it wasn't you. It wasn't what you did. It wasn't your craftsmanship. It wasn't how much money you had. It was a simple sacrifice that moved his heart. I'm just going to ask us right now, if you'd stand up tonight. I just want us to take a moment, if that's okay, to wait on him. And just to take an account of our heart and say, God, where's my heart? How's my heart? Am I living from this place of first love? And I just sense Jesus inviting every one of us back. Maybe we've strayed. Maybe there are places where we've lost it. We've grown tired or weary. And God just inviting us back. Maybe you've never felt that there's a grace tonight for God to just consume you in that fresh fire or wherever you come. So Father, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, we just invite you. Lord, we invite you to come in this place and set our hearts on fire tonight. God, we build you tonight in a simple altar. God, not about the show, not about the lights, not about the things. We are here for you, Lord Jesus. And I ask tonight, would you set our hearts on fire for your glory, God? Back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you. Oh, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. And I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. And it's all about you, and it's all. Oh, when the music fades, when the music fades, and all is stripped away. And I simply come. I'm longing just to bring Oh, something that's worth And that will bless your heart Oh, I'll bring you 
That's beautiful. I will give
Do you guys do this one? Holy, holy, you are holy, holy is the Lord. You are holy, holy. just in your own words if the Lord even just in the stillness right now just invite him again to come invite that fresh fire of the Holy Spirit to come or even as John the Baptist prophesied over Jesus he said there's one coming who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire oh we just wait on you Lord Jesus tonight we wait in your presence
it's your heart just to have a fresh stirring of that first love, that fire of first love for the first time or once again, can I just invite you to lift up your hands? I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I just bless this beautiful church. I pray for every single person. Lord Jesus, I pray that tonight, once again, you would come and you would just stir the fire of our hearts. Lord, I pray that like those men that walked on you on the road to Emmaus, that God, day by day, we would just say, did not our hearts burn within us? God, I pray for this church. God, I pray for the fire of first love to burn in every single heart. God, I pray you would burn in every single life. God, I thank you as the favor and the blessing and the anointing of heaven comes upon this church. So God, they would never stray. God, I pray they would never wander from that place of holiness. God, I pray that no amount of worldly success or worldly blessing, God, would take us away from this place. God, of first love of blessing you. God, I even just pray that that ministry unto you, that ministry to Jesus would increase in our hearts and lives. God, for every one of us, before we're anything else, God, before any other title, before any other hat that we wear, God, I pray that, God, we would bless you, that we would minister unto you. So, God, I pray tonight, I pray for those hearts that maybe have grown weary or tired. God, come and relight the fire again. God, I pray that those that may be weariness, God, maybe discouragement, maybe disappointment with the way things have been. I pray, God, you'd come and relight the fire. God, I pray for those who feel disqualified because of mistakes, because of failures. The Lord, the blood of Jesus would wash and cleanse and with it would come the fire of the Spirit. God, I pray that once again, Lord, in an increased measure, the fire of the Spirit would fill every heart. It would fill every believer. God, we welcome you just like in the book of Acts to breathe on your church with fresh fire. Come on, church. God, I just ask you last 30 seconds, pray in the Spirit with me. Oh, Spirit of the living God, I just welcome you. I just welcome you to light your church on fire again, God. But I pray that Heart of the City Church will be a burning flame in the middle of this community. Oh, I pray for a fresh wind of heaven to breathe through this house. Oh, for fresh tongues of fire to rest on every single one to burn God. welcome you tonight to come and set our hearts on fire again God I pray that you'd even just draw us into the secret place I just even as you're praying I just believe the Lord is even to come some of you is going to wake you up in the middle of the night and draw you to pray I believe some of you are going to wake up early in the morning and not even know why and the Lord is drawing you to pray even as the psalmist said Lord my heart has heard you say come and seek my face to you my heart replies I believe even right now the Lord is going to begin to put times in seasons in you and you're going to know it's time to pray maybe you're a mother and you're feeding your baby in the night and it's not just feeding time the lord's going to say begin to pray begin to intercede begin to lift up your church and your pastors and your leaders and the nations so god i pray that you would draw your people god i pray that once again you would draw us to that secret place to be with you in jesus name